Freeze. Hello and welcome to the Long Drive Home Podcast with Alpha Mel Tea Party. This is episode 16 and features a chat with Dave Larkin, the bass player for the awesome Black Peaks. Uh, Dave is with us to discuss all manner of atrocities from his time in bands such as Armchair Committee, the St. Pierre Snake Invasion and of course Black Peaks. And speaking of Black Peaks, they've got a live stream set coming from the Brighton Centre on April the 7th. Uh, tickets available from the usual online outlets. Speaking of online outlets, loads of segues here. Loads of segues I've been practising, can you tell? Um, speaking of online outlets, why not like and subscribe at the online outlet where you get this podcast? That'd be nice. Write a little note if you like. I'm the only one who's written a note on this podcast on the iTunes store. So why not make me feel like I'm not completely wasting my time? Yeah? Yeah. Good. I might even show it to my mum. She won't care. On with the chat. that Genghis Tron record again I was just like I just wanted to like set up something that makes sounds anything like this are you in a position to share it with us oh no not <laughs> <laughs> basically like so Sam who used to play with Pierre lives in London as well now and I'm we're both like kind of just looking to do something fun as a like a not serious side thing. so we're just going to get nice. in the room and make some weird Noise very nice mate very nice yeah yeah all right all right mate i heard that game strong record for the first time this morning and it was very very um really good yeah really good I'm yeah big fan but, um yeah yeah good yeah yeah man yeah we're um yeah we're all good bitch it is it is just the two of us to see well the three of us, the two of us because uh tom Lloyd is um i don't know he's a busy he's, boy he, that's what it is he's he's working with some math rock band yeah. He's always working with a math rock band. Yeah, of uh, <laughs> just slowly making his way through the art tangent lineup. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, good to be busy at a time like this, I suppose. Yeah. He, he did say he's he's got like four days off in the next month or two. So, oh. which is you know, considering he's, he'll have done nothing for best part of a year. He's um, he's, he's literally just been playing. Uh, what's his what the fucking game he plays? Oh, Legend of Zelda. He's always he on Legend Zelda, of Zelda. Like, all oh, fucking day long, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pokemon. Sorry, Tom. You'll probably hear this. I'm not slagging you off. <laughs> he, did, he, he had a... Uh, this is great because he's not here to retort any of this. He had a big Pokemon Go um, obsession for yeah. the longest time we used to rip him for it. Um very much the nerdiest member of, <laughs> of, of the clan. The nerdiest member of a math rock band. 
it's quite quite something yeah. quite something uh, um, well he'll, he'll have to retort and have a rebuttal to all of these accusations on the next one maybe he, he, he can put a disclaimer at the end if he can be asked or yeah. I could do one in his voice I could do a posh I could do a posh southern voice pretend yeah. to be Tom yeah. I, I, I think you'll find uh, I think you'll find <laughs> oh god he's not gonna like this <laughs> <laughs> there we are so dave what have you been doing with yourself um during the world's worst year uh <laughs> fuck um i mean for the first like uh i mean obviously it, there's always been plans forming to do stuff like later on in the year and stuff and you know like the about this time last year i think we were talking about rescheduling a tour and pushing it back to later in the year as a lot of people were and kind of thinking oh late in 2020 will be all right but yeah. you know and then i think we were still kind of actually once glastonbury went that was going to be it for festivals because you know everyone sort of followed suit were you, uh, were, you pen- were you penciled to do to do uh gloucester or, or anything like that no nothing like that but um i mean i so obviously I, i'm a production manager at trees and uh, 2000 trees and arc tangent as yeah. well so that's like a big kind of portion of my income which disappeared as well yeah. uh um and it's just i mean I, I think i spent maybe the first sort of six months just going like i i'm really not you i'm self-employed so i'm really not used to not being busy and it, it kind of yeah just sort of getting used to sort of not doing things again um was hard <laughs> uh but then i sort of pull myself out of that by just like repairing amps and guitars and making pedals for people and stuff like that, which has basically been what I've kind of busied myself with ever since. Um, so yeah, that's been like my little business side venture, side hustle as the kids call it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool. Yeah. Smart mate. Smart. I did. So I'll, um, I will of course plug links to everything you do. Oh, yeah. You do a lot of things. So yeah. I, do, I do a little intro afterwards and make it look dead smart, sound nice. smart and professional. I said yeah. look smart and professional. I'm usually just in my pants lying in my bed. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's how, it's how I do it. Um, but yeah, there we are. Um, so well, welcome on. Um, esteemed member of, uh, of Black Peaks, amongst many other things. Uh, you've had a, a long and glorious, illustrious gigging history. Um, of which we're going to sort of delve into. I wanted to start off by, um, I now you might have to cut this out, Greg, because I've absolutely no idea if this is Dave or someone else I'm thinking of, um, from the top of my head. But I think me and you, Dave, go like well back because I remember meeting you for the first time and we were both like sort of half recognized each other. And yeah. you had something to do with a gig I played an Aberyst with. Am I thinking of it? Is that you? Uh, uh, well, we definitely <laughs> talked about this because basically, uh, yes, yeah, it was this, right? So, oh my God, right? So I'm trying to piece, piece together. Exactly, This was a drunk conversation outside the Stag and Hounds in Bristol one night. But yes, I went, there I went, you go. I went to uni in Aberyst with, and I worked uh, at the student union as one of my sort of first jobs doing event stuff. And ironically ended up doing more to do with that than i did my english degree which has proved to be very useless but um, uh yeah i definitely and then i think because you guys i think we didn't we book 
was it Falls? Did we book Falls? No, mate. It was it was a really early band of mine who um, we tried to basically we were, we were very very heavily into Biffy Clyro, so right. we were we were a three piece and did all the Biffyisms, but you know. Uh, unsuccessfully um, and I remember it being in the Angel Inn in Aberystwyth yeah, yeah. which uh, you know the hub of creativity and uh, cultural excellence within Aberystwyth yeah. yes yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I remember being being a couple of old fellas in there and, and that was about as eventful as it got and then my mate Rob who came with us for the journey um, decided to what did he do? He had a uh, he had a cup of t- he had like a, a tube of tomato ketchup. I don't know why I'm telling you this. And a load of panty liners would stick into people's car windows on oh, the walk home. <laughs> Please edit that bit out. That's <laughs> <really> <laughs> me. I had no. nothing. I had nothing That's to do with that. Classic student pranks right there. Yeah. Oh awesome. yeah, that is particularly hideous. But there we are. But <laughs> however, so, uh, not yeah. Otherwise. Fuck all memorable about that. So, um, tell us about your. These are not. These are not here. I'm not here for my worst gig. No, no, that's fine. Yeah, (laughs) Aberystwyth with the home of the worst gig. I think. How how prepared are you, Dave? Have you got? Have you got a list? Uh, Yeah, I have a list. Yes. Good. Good. Does it? Does it escalate? Does it get? It does does escalate. Yeah. Yes. Make it. Make it worse at the end, which I have. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've basically done it kind of in chronological order because I've kind of been in three sort of, well, one semi-serious band, one like three-quarter serious band, and then Black Peaks. So I've <laughs> had a progression of being, uh, as we all have, from you know just hobbyist DIY touring up to a position where uh, I'm I'm in that band. So starting with my first kind of proper band, for want of a better term. Uh, was called Armchair Committee. We were a three-piece like blues rock band from Bristol. Love the name. Um, Love the name. Yeah, I think we played we played a couple of shows with Falls with Ben. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this would have been two, uh, 2012. We'd probably maybe self-released an EP by this point, and we were like, you know, you self-book your own shows, and you want to play outside your hometown. So we started looking at small festivals. Um, and just emailing any any festival, <laughs> basically, who would who would even look at us, and then you sort of you're kind of aware that they're not really going to be particularly be good gigs, but you you want to have we're playing festivals as social media on your social media. Mm. So we got confirmed for a few. Some were all right, some weren't. But then there was one particular Saturday that we got booked for an early afternoon slot at Worcester Music Festival, which. It was like a an inner city dot to dot type thing with just all of the venues in Worcester, of which there are about two. So (laughs) the rest are like tattoo parlors and fucking fish and chip shops. I don't know, but like (laughs) like any anywhere that they can shove a band or uh you know a singer songwriter in the corner, they they do. Um, and then we also got booked later in the same day for a festival called Hullabaloo in Cheltenham, which was uh, my hometown, the guitarist's hometown. And we looked at it and we were like, oh, it's like half an hour drive between the two. We can do this. We'll just we'll just play both slots. Cool. So <laughs> we load all of my gear, all of the band's gear, rather, in my Toyota Yaris. <laughs> Classic. Nice. Uh, yeah. 
So it's out as breakables, whatever. Drive from Bristol to Worcester. Um, we get to Worcester and get to the venue, and it's a Weatherspoons. <laughs> yes, you know that's that's what it is. Is there's <laughs> you kind of pull up. There's some old boys drinking IPAs in the corner, and you know <laughs> we look around. Actually, I go in first, and the other guys stay in the car. Right, I go in, and I. <laughs> There's no stage. There's no PA. I kind of go up to the guy at the bar and I say, we're playing Worcester Music Festival. Is there, <laughs> is there anyone to speak to? And he said, you need to speak to Keith and just nodded. And there was a, an old boy in the corner who was dragging some dusty, like Behringer PA speakers, like out of a cupboard. <laughs> and I just go up and talk to him and just like, hey, we're... Um, we're playing and he said, yeah, everything's running late. You're the first on. So you're just gonna have to wait for me to set up. And he was sort of, he looked, he wasn't in any hurry, you know? <laughs> and then I, I look at the speakers and they've got like the IEC sockets are like hanging out. So the power cables are like oh, exposed. Oh, so you can no. see like, and, <laughs> and then I just kind of looked around and it was just like, it's, this is a quiet pub and we're like quite a loud rock band. So we were like, usually you've got that, you know, DIY Fugazi, like always make the show work attitude. But we were just like, this is going to suck. This is going to be like awful. <laughs> and so the other guys hadn't even left the car. I, I walked outside and was just like, explain the situation. And we were just like, nah, fuck it. <laughs> so we just, we just turned around and just like, I, I was waiting for the guy to set up and I, we took a vote and we were just like, we've got a better festival today to go to. So let's just sack this off. Let's just, let's just leave. So we did, we just left. Um, we didn't hear anything from the festival. We, there was no fee. So it was probably not like the cool thing to do, but we were like, no, fuck it. This is going to be bad. So we drive from Worcester to Cheltenham. It's a half hour, hour drive or something. We drive down, we were in relatively good spirits because we were like, that was an inner city shitty festival. But this that we're going to now is like a proper, like, outdoor camping festival feels like a real festival so we kind of call the first bit a detour we get to this hullabaloo festival it looks promising there's like security and a festival gate and stuff and so we say we're playing to the security guy he points us towards where the main stage is supposed to be we you know you see traders people camping a bouncy castle stuff like that you're like cool great this is going to be fun we meet the stage manager and then ask him where the stage is. And then he points at the bouncy castle. <laughs> and we were like, what? And he, I realized that there's like a normal bit of staging, a normal bit of like alley deck or something, but they've basically put like an inflatable roof over the top of it. <laughs> like, it was like the shonkiest way of making, I guess it was because they were like, it's going to rain. We need to make a covered stage here. Stages were expensive, so they just they, like this thing was just an inflated <laughs> bouncy castle <laughs> roof. I mean, it was amazing. Obviously, at that moment, it started raining, and just imagine as I keep talking that like it goes up by like ten percent rain every ten minutes. Right? It just <laughs> rains more and more and more and more and more. So, the band before us, or couple, we watched a band playing under this this bouncy castle, <laughs> and then we <laughs> we go and find the stage manager and we're like we want to start getting set up this was about 15 minutes before we or like the changeover was supposed to be and we asked where the house drum kit was and he says oh no there's there's no there's no drum kit 
there's no house drum kit. And we're like, well, here's the advancing email on my phone that says there's a drum kit here, right? I'm in a fucking Toyota Yaris. I'm not fitting a four-piece drum kit in it. So (laughs) then by this point, it's like pissing it down. uh, And we say to him, look, you're going to need to provide a drum kit here. And he was like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm on it. And he like stumbles off. Um, and so we've got nothing else to do but just sit in the car. We're there just kind of waiting for a drum kit to arrive. By this point, like the festival just becomes a ghost town because it's pissing it down. Everyone's left. There's no one in the main field. There's no one even like around by the backstage of the 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 festival like at all. It's just everyone's just hiding from the rain. So we've, we're sat there. There's no music on. There's no background music on. We're, we're sat in the car. <laughs> And I just, I just reach for my keys and just turn the engine on, and everyone goes, "Yep." <laughs> we start driving towards the main gate, and exactly at that moment, a taxi pulls up with a drum oh. kit in, <laughs> and the stage manager comes out of nowhere, like stumbles down the path, sees that we're leaving, and points at the taxi and goes, "There's the drum kit," and this dude is so pissed at this point he's gone away to try and sort a drum kit and he comes back and he's the most drunk man i've ever seen in the pissing rain in the field of and he says you, you're gonna play the drum kits here and I, I just i i wound the window down to hear that and just i just didn't say anything and just kept driving I just, <laughs> and then so i mean that was basically our, our day we start and we drive back to bristol and then like realizing that we've been booked for two festival appearances and have not played a single note <laughs> i mean like it could be argued that the first one was our fault but the second one was definitely not <laughs> yeah. actually no, i i really wish sometimes i'd had the balls to do what you did there because there's so many times you turn you turn up to these things and you go like we really shouldn't be playing this. For example, Arras in France, that, where yeah. we just we we realised for a matinee show, mm. and it's like people are expecting Dire Straits covers. But I wish we'd have the boss just go, nah. <laughs> I don't know what it was because, like I say, normally you have that thing that you like. You always play the show. Mm. You get booked for something. You don't want to be those guys that just don't don't you know, think that you're better than playing a gig. But, oh, God, it was just, I think maybe we'd done a few sort of like little festival slots and because we'd self-booked everything by that point, it wasn't like a sense of entitlement, but, but it was just like being very aware that like, we're going to ruin everyone's <laughs> atmosphere. Like, they may as well be having their Sunday lunch and we're just going to start like smacking a snare drum, sound yeah. checking, and that's, you know, everyone's going to leave and we're going to play to the sound man, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Oh yeah. man! Well, I I really yeah. I really like the Bouncer Castle part. Really, yeah. really like that because yeah. I what I wasn't expecting a Bouncer Castle to come up in that story. So <laughs> yeah, it's a very strong strong mental image of seeing it sort of slightly sag more noise and got made <laughs> in the brain as well. Oh, yeah. that's um, grim. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. That's really, really yeah. um, I pl- I played in a, in a similar Weatherspoons type venue once with Falls, mm. supporting, before they were big, Dredge. Oh, yeah. I just don't think there's, you know, all these stories of sort of legendary gigs that bands play. I don't think everyone's ever prefaced that story by saying, you know, I finished my egg and chips. <laughs> and then <laughs> Harry Club was over. And, 
<laughs> the ice cream machine was out, so I went to go watch the band instead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. man. Well, that's a strong start. Yes. That is a strong start. So <laughs> moving on sort of chronologically, the next um, band I was in and sort of, again, was like played with for a fair few years was the St. Pierre Snake Invasion. Um, still good friends, a great band. Uh, wankers, wankers. Wankers. All of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so we did a sorry it took me for a minute to think of a response to that but no. <laughs> just agree just, just oh, agree yeah. um, <laughs> so in, this would have been 2017 we did a um, ourselves and a band called Dead Arms a great like noise punk band from London did uh, like a really enjoyable DIY tour in France um, it was like Lille Paris Grenoble Lyon uh, Gigor which is near Valence, and then Dijon at the end, and then came back, and then Broker on a few days as well from Brighton, another great band. Um, so we, again, self-booked, self-promoted, whatever. We'd, the first thing that was like the fun part was we'd never like booked a splitter van before. And between sort of myself and Paddy, I was like, oh, these guys, we could get a van from these guys. Um, and booked a nine-seater van, uh, the medium wheelbase kind of thing. Um, but between us, the five of us in St. Pierre Snake Invasion, and the four of them in Dead Arms, that's nine people for a nine-seater van. Uh, and anyone who's toured at all knows immediately how uncomfortable that will be, especially across sort of like long drives across France. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we all crammed in, and the gear was crammed in we were sharing backline but we made it work and that was fine but the first date we got over there like bureau tunnel whatever it was the ferry was like fine like no issues with any of that the first date that we got to was in Lille. uh checked in got to the venue um all good but all the classic early warning signs were like there so there was no poster outside for anything there was no suggestion at all that this was a music venue um, we made our way sort of to the bar to, well, there's a bar and then there's a venue space at the back. We go past the bar, go to the venue. The only didn't speak a great deal of English, but it, it managed to communicate to us that basically, I think the three words he would, was able to say was not too loud. So he'd just say not too loud. No, <laughs> Those three <laughs> golden words. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just <laughs> like, I love love playing in France, love playing in mainland Europe, but everyone knows the decibel limits over there are pretty fierce in some places. So yeah. We've had <laughs> we've had the grand total of zero good gigs in France. I think you can rock up and you can rock up and hit a snare and they'll be like, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, 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 France, if you're listening. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> the country <laughs> of France. <laughs> it's sorry, yeah. Jesus Christ. If you could build, I've said this on a, probably on a different podcast. If there was a bridge that went over the country to get to Germany, fucking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> you, are, you are only saying that because Tom's not here. <laughs> and Tom loves France. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, it would be, that would be a hell of a flyover, wouldn't it? <laughs> Jesus, yeah. Portsmouth to Hamburg. <laughs> uh, Christ. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's fine. So, I mean, I could say early warning signs, right? So, we get there, we are in the place, we start setting up. The owner is the only other human in this venue. 
we wait for the promoter there's no sign of a promoter paddy i believe rings the promoter and the promoter tells him that he's not coming i don't know what the excuse was if there was an excuse um but he made it very clear that he was not going to be at the show that evening <laughs> neither was the local support act that he'd booked again no reason given um and neither was the sound man because that was also the promoter Oh, right. So, so <laughs> there's two, there's nine people. There's two British noise punk bands in a venue in France. And it's, it's evident that there's been no work done for this. And that, like everyone's played bad shows, unattended shows again, early warning times, but this was the first date of the tour and we just driven to France. So we were like, is it all going to be like this? <laughs> but like the week or so that we're over here, you know? Um, and so everyone starts going, Oh, fucking hell. And, yeah, like tensions get a little bit high, but we kind of go, look, let's just say, fuck it, let's play a show. So, you know, I've, I'm a sound engineer. I had some microphones. I'd gone digging around in the venue in the drawers for like XLRs and mics. Um, didn't find any of their mics, but used a couple of SM58s that I had. Um, and Dead Arms play to St. Pierre, St. Pierre play to Dead Arms. We didn't play to the sound man because he wasn't there. <laughs> so, uh, and in, actually, I think Paddy reminded me of this, but I think there were three punters who showed up in the end. So if, by any chance they're listening to this, thank you. <laughs> um, uh, we finished the set, uh, the set after playing to each other. And then we start kind of making, uh, start taking the gear towards the, the door to kind of think about loading out. Um, and then I had to ask Paddy for the details of this, actually, um, Paddy and Sam. But there, I kind of loaded some stuff out, and I think I wasn't driving that night, so I think I'd had a couple of beers, and I hadn't really paid attention to what was unfolding outside. But all I remember was that there was a lot of police, some armed police outside. And then I'd had to sort of get the other two to fill in the, the blanks here. And what had happened was there were national police with full-on semi-automatic rifles um, at the junction outside because there had basically been either a shooting or a massive drugs bust or both um like on the intersection next to this venue so we can't leave the venue because they're stopping stripping every car that goes past the the junction because they think that i don't know maybe they're just thinking that there are other people going by or whatever um but there was a lot of police with guns, basically, at this outside. And so we, some eventually someone had the courage to walk up to them and said, we need to leave. But then we obviously think that we've got foreign plates, we've got lots of cases full of stuff that could have anything in. Like, there's no way that... All that drugs. <laughs> yeah, we could have, could have, and maybe did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I distinctly and then this was the point that i do remember because we go well the van's up there a mile up the road they're away from this police cordon we just we have to carry all of the gear so it was insult oh. injury you have to then lug all of the <laughs> all of the um, everything that you've just played a nicely amplified show to no one uh <laughs> road and load it back into the van so it's the dream loadout as well and then that was essentially the the main that was, you know, we just kind of thought, well, every other show is going to be like this and it was miserable. The rest of the tour was actually fine. Um, and actually, I 
when I asked Sam about this story, he was just like, yeah, that was tough. Sometimes when you're touring, and this is an incredible turn of phrase, sometimes when you're touring, you have to take the rough with the rough. <laughs> beautiful. Sums up perfectly. Uh, and then the final kicker of that story was that we'd packed down everything, packed down all of our backline. The one thing that I don't normally pack down is a couple of SM58s, so I'd left oh. like 100 quid's worth of microphones in that venue as well. Uh, oh, are. man. That's... that's oh, Because, like... None of that is especially explosive, but it's like it's the, when you bring it together, it's just like oh, I'd rather be I'd rather be playing shit yeah. than have to than have to do any of that. That kind of has parallels to where was that place we played in France, and there was like loads of gangs outside. Um, oh, we played in we played in Ren. And, right, um, yeah, 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 and along this main stretch of. High, cobbled high street that you couldn't drive down was I think I got I got approached by no less than nine cocaine dealers yeah um, aggressive yeah I have that vibe yeah no, yeah nine aggressive cocaine dealers that just want to just want to go home yeah. <laughs> and those cobbled um, streets were a total nightmare because you know you've got your fucking four by well it wasn't even four by ten you had your eight by eight by ten you had Six, six, ten. Six, ten. Fuck me, yeah. mate. They don't like cobbles, do they? No, they don't. I've got, we did a, I, I did a with them, sort of, uh, and yeah, like lovely dudes, Wayne Adams, who's in Petbrick and uh, Big Lad and a few other bands played bass in that band. And I've got an incredible uh, bit of footage. I wasn't, re- I was just, you know, like driving them a bit of tech in for them mostly just kind of had a camera and was just filming stuff just for fun and i've got a really like somber bit of footage of him pulling an eight by ten down some cobbled streets in it would have been leon i think and then i made it like a film noir bit and put like regret over the top of it (laughs) (laughs) it, uh, it's an amazing bit of film footage i'll have to find it sometime (laughs) oh man well yeah that's 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 still with infinite sadness um the particular side i do like just that the police presence always notches not just the story up a gear. I I, def- I definitely feel. Um and the loadout, the fact that you've got a load yeah. presumably past a load of armed police. Yeah. Which is fairly terrifying. Yeah, I mean it could have it could have definitely been worse. And I feel like we we were inside playing a show, thankfully, when like whatever went down went down. But to <laughs> in the aftermath of that thinking, oh, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like when you come out of a, an underground bunker during a nuclear holocaust and you sort of come up and you're sort of like what the fuck's yeah, going on here <laughs> um good well yeah another shite france story yeah um i'm sure france is a beautiful country i mean if we're going down shite france stories <laughs> i hadn't planned to do this one but <laughs> <laughs> lovely <laughs> lovely segue <laughs> Uh, this, uh, I was tour managing a band called Empath from Philadelphia, and they were, this was about two years ago. This was their first um, EU or UK shows, um, and I uh, was supplying their backline as well from a company that I was working for. So I, uh, they'd flown directly into Marseille. And had spent like a couple of days at the beginning of the tour having a nice time exploring the city and you know 
uh, had an Airbnb there. And so the routing was Southern France, work your way up, come to the UK, uh, and then uh, a couple of dates back in Europe, and then they flew home. Um, so I was acting as the tour manager. I was the tour manager, not just acting as one, like sort of belittles my role. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> listen, listen to me, guys. <laughs> uh, and so I drove down through like did like a two-day jaunt to southern france on my own in a in the van with the back line ready to meet them um like i've done that those kind of schleps like many times and I, i'm fine with it um basically what you kind of do in those junctures is you go like i know that at some point during this journey you know i'm gonna i'm gonna need to like sleep i'm gonna need to have some uh, have uh, a hotel or a hostel booked but i I've done it enough to know that like quite often, I don't know when I'm going to get tired or when I'm going to stop. And quite often, you know, if you're in, in the run of things, you go, Oh, maybe I'll, you know, break the back of this journey today and do less of it tomorrow. Um, and all of the, you know, these splitter vans have got bunks in the back and it was in the summer or it was in like late summer. So I was like, yeah, hey, I can, I'll, it's not cold. I'll just, I'll bunk it and, and work my way down. So I did that. First day was fine driving, and I think I got past Lyon. I was uh, just outside Marseille uh, when I was like, we'll pull in here, stop. This was maybe about 11 or 12, uh, and well, maybe like 10 p.m., uh, and call it a night here, and then push forward to Marseille, meet the band tomorrow, and then we're playing a show later that day. Um, and pull into a service station, just standard service stop in, on an A road in France, doesn't look like anything particularly exciting uh stop sleep under some lights under some like look like there was security around or security cameras around rather and wake up to hear someone scratching on the door and i go oh god right <laughs> so go over to to the door and someone's trying to get my attention kind of go okay well what and they were like have you got a uh have you got a um carjack carjack like trying to mime a carjack to me and i was like no no like i'm not i'm not getting out of this van because there's i'm on my own and there's two of you a guy and a girl um but i'm not getting out of this van and i had the keys like on the on the um, in the bench seat in the back, like where the table is. And I just climbed into the front seat to open this window down. And just as I said, no, I saw that the guy had like a screwdriver in the lock of the, oh, of the driver's side and just smacked it with a hammer and turned it, oh. opened the lock. And then like, I was still half asleep, opens the door and then pulls the central locking thing up. So that opens the lock. And then two other people, from the other side of the van come up and like before i know it they're just they're just in the back of the van shit mate uh, they're not oh. in the gear store but they're in the you know the middle bit with the table and i'm just fuck i at that point i just don't know what's going on i turn around and start shouting at them and then like one of them's looks like a big dude and i'm pretty sure he had a knife <laughs> so i was like well, fuck, just grabbed, I had some keys. I grabbed the keys by this point. I just started the engine and just started driving. Uh, pulled out of this rest stop, um, 
had to do that A team thing where you slam the brakes to make the side doors like slide shut. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The only redeeming part of this story. Um, I didn't know, but then I'm just on a motorway, uh, fucking three in the morning, literally just woken up, like heart racing, going, I don't know what's just happened. I don't know what they've taken. I don't know if they got into the gist, or I don't even know if like the very back doors have been jimmied or if they're open or, or what. So I'm just, freaking out but i pull into the next service station stop check my belongings check everything they've taken a laptop from the middle bit they've taken my phone oh, they no, man. didn't take my passport but that was that was about it but basically at that junction i go well i'm meeting a band later today in marseille and i'm very aware that i'm over reliant on my phone for maps but without having that I don't really know how to get to Marseille from here. Oh, <laughs> and nice. I'm in a service station and I have no way to basically, this is, this is let this be a warning to people. Just always have a paper map. Just, it's just have it. It's a good idea. Cause if you lose any of your shit, then you're really, really lost. <laughs> and so I was in this service, the next service station, just panicking going, right. So I need to firstly get a message to the, band or their management to say i might be a little bit late but i think i'm going to make my way to you but i don't remember your address so i then think well i need to get on the internet and i don't have there's no like you know there's no wi-fi in this service station i go up to the guy and say can i can i use your phone it was quite early so there was no one really around in the service station but then then <laughs> i remembered this amazing little thing that saved my life was that I, one of the um, guys in the band I'd kind of heard was like relatively into like, I was like, what do the guys like to do on tour? You know? And they were like, Oh, one of them plays video games. Occasionally I'd basically got a Peli case that I'd put a PlayStation in and put a, a screen on the top. And I was like, the PlayStation connects to the internet. <laughs> and so yes. I bring this PlayStation into a, uh, into a service station, plug it in, go on the like browser app in the PlayStation, literally <laughs> the fucking PlayStation controller to log into my Gmail account <laughs> to find the address of the hostel that I'm going to, uh, and then find it like roughly write down some addresses on the back of a, a like a menu or something, um, write down a phone number for them, send a message to the band on their like Facebook page going like, Hey, I'm supposed to meet you tomorrow, but <laughs> I'm kind of stranded and I just got robbed at knife point. So I'll, uh, I'll be there, but might be a little late kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> but then magically I did manage to make it there. They were lovely. They were like, Oh my God, I can't believe that happened to you. Uh, the rest of the tour was great and we all had a good time, but yeah, I, I was very, very scared. <laughs> Jesus yeah, that's, that Yeah, that's that's pretty horrific. Yeah, my heart, my heart is racing just hearing that story. Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> wow. And um, can I ask why you weren't going to share that story? Because that's a fucking awful one. <laughs> that's right up our street. <laughs> I know. Uh, I don't really know why, to be honest. I think I had it as a bit of a backup one, just because uh, it was. <laughs> Again, like doing things in a sort of professional capacity, you kind of be like, yeah, no, don't worry. I've got my shit down. Like I'm going to, you know, <laughs> and these things happen to, to everyone at any time. And I probably could have been more prepared. I know a lot of um, uh, tour managers and people like that were just like, no, I, I would always, you know, get the label to pay for a hotel at any point or any juncture or whatever. Like people do things differently. 
Um, but yeah, I, <laughs> it's a good story. That's what I've it's got. A fucking, it. It's a fucking great story. Yeah. Jesus. And it is, if any, yeah, if anything, it's stopped you from ever sleeping in the service station again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So <laughs> wow. Thank, thank you for that. That's really, really horrible. I feel like I've, yeah, my, ch- my chest really tight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The, I, I don't think I can ever really like sum up the, the the feeling of like being just within seconds being on the motorway again. You know, driving at seventy, going, what the fuck? <laughs> what, what the what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah, no oh. idea where I was going, what I was doing. There's probably like like five fellas just splattered across the car park as you like reversed over them in a rush. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, or yeah. when you hit the brakes, and hit the brakes, and three of them flew off the back, like like in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've since spoke to people about uh, like muggings in that kind of region, and it's it's kind of it's kind of morbid and kind of sad, but it's like quite a common people trafficking route, apparently. Oh, um, and there's a lot yeah. of people in who like are in the back of uh, haulage lorries and things like that. Um, I'm not saying these people were those people, but like, yeah, obviously there's, there's a lot of kind of negative stuff that can, that just happens in those sort of regions and things like that. And there's, you know, there's a lot of organized crime going on, which is not cool, but Jeez. yeah. Yeah. Good. Anyway, that's a, a lovely, nice lovely note to add to that. Horrendous detour. Um, <laughs> good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh fucking now. That wasn't the worst one. Good. Good. <laughs> uh, and I think I mean, yeah, I'm probably ready to move on to the worst one if you uh, oh, we're very, oh, very I'm much not, so. I'm not, I think I need I think I need at least ten minutes off to gather my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> well you yeah. listen in for ten minutes then. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna preface this story by saying that this is purely like my side of the story, like my 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 own experience with it, because it basically touches on the kind of like the health of another band member, and it's not really my position to talk about that kind of stuff. So, is this a, a Black Peaks gig then? This is a Black Peaks gig. This is uh, 2019. Um, so, we were doing a summer of festivals supporting All the Divides, the second album. Um, and anyone who kind of knows the band knows that Will had been really sick earlier that year um, and it kind of, you know, hung, hung over him for quite some time. It's not really public knowledge and I've got his approval to kind of say this, but he had sepsis, which whenever you kind of speak to anyone about sepsis, they go, oh God, like, you know, I had an elderly relative or I had someone who I know who, who died from that because it's, it's serious. Yeah. It's yeah. blood poisoning. I mean, put it bluntly, it, it did nearly kill him on like uh, two, two occasions. So we'd already had a run of shows with Smashing Pumpkins, which we had to cancel, which was, you know, heartbreaking. But health comes first, and you know, we look after our brother. And you know, if he's unable to do a show, then then so be it. Yeah. Um, so he then he'd got over, seemingly got over the worst of it, um, but he what happens when you have a severe bout of blood poisoning is that it really hammers your immune system. And he had post sepsis syndrome, uh, which is a 
basically wipes you out, gives you no energy for, for months. Um, and he had some concerns and he'd voiced some concerns, but he'd had sort of good days and, and bad days. So we, we went ahead with the summer plans as they were, um, partly because they were some, you know, incredible options and incredible offers rather that we'd had. Uh, so we were going to do a string of these festival shows, then do a run of shows with Gojira, uh, in the UK with Rolo Tomasi also supporting, which would have been a bit a dream for all of us. Um, so the first show sort of back after Will's sickness was in late June in Bologna, which was a show supporting Slipknot, but it was like a one day festival type show yeah. with like Testament and corrosion and conformity and stuff like that. And we were, Jeez. yeah, we were first on. Um, and then the very next day, uh, straight after that, um, there was a festival in Leipzig, uh, a full force festival, which is like a great metal festival. Um, and then directly after that, we'd fly straight home for the start of the Gojira shows. And we'd prepared like a crazy amount for this because we knew that like nothing could kind of go wrong between those. We're talking about a lot of fly shows and then you start a tour immediately. So um, Joe, the guitarist, done some like amazing prep. We'd all gone like, right, game face, like this is what we've got to do. Um, we have to like fly straight to uh, Germany after the Slipknot show. So we turn we turn up in Bologna. Uh, it, like Bologna is an incredibly beautiful city that I want to go to again. It's like you know height of summer. Uh, we had a day off before, so we kind of got to explore it a little bit. It was hot. <laughs> it was like thirty yards degrees, um, but we'd had the day off, kind of exploring, and took it pretty pretty easy when we got there um on the day of the show we wake up we go straight to this place called sonic park which is like an outdoor stage uh in like a purpose-built amphitheater incredible place like really cool by this point we get there we've loaded got our gear ready and it's like it's already like 35 degrees <laughs> it's it's fucking hot <laughs> um and we get there just as Slipknot's touring production is on stage and they've, they've tested their whole thing, which is just like being like a production nerd. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous, wow, man. This is insane. Like yeah. it's all custom fabricated and just, oh, beautiful. <laughs> I've, worked gonna... on it. I've, I've worked on a Slipknot show. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy, yeah. mate. Amazing. Crazy, Amazing. Yeah. So we get there and it's, like they're testing the pyro when we get there, which doesn't help for just how fucking hot it is, but it was cool to see. Um, uh, and we had some hired backline. So we like go over and check that. It's all fine. We put that out on stage. Um, our sound checks around midday. So it's like painfully hot at this point. <laughs> and I'm, I'm a pale English man. I'm not made for this. You know, I'm like, I'm struggling. We all are. Um, we leave. All of our gear set up on stage, on the, uh, and then we go to the dressing room, like drink lots of water, throw water on ourselves. Before we leave, I noticed that I've got like a laptop that I used to trigger samples from, and it was in direct sun, so I like had to fashion this fucking like cover for it because it was just getting baked in the heat. Oh, <laughs> um, we did the show and it was great. Like first time in Italy, like loads of people, nice one. Like we only realized when we'd got off stage that we'd left our pedal boards directly at the front of the stage in the baking hun, the baking sun. And Joe's 
LCD screen on his Switcher thing had actually melted. <laughs> it, it like it, it, melted. Like, it like gone concave in the heat. Yeah. Oh. Um. So all we want to do is get off stage, like and just sit and relax. But we had to get straight into a taxi to get to uh, the airport to get us to the next show, which is in Germany. We had a connecting flight, um, which was going via Belgium. So we were like, okay, cool. We, we go, we get to the airport, got to the airport. I realized that like, as I'm looking at my Pelly case, it's like, I've left the microphones, which I've got history of, if you remember this, but, <laughs> but that's like the first thing we are oh, fucking hell. Okay, fine. We'll get that sorted. We, I'm just trying to remember the next point. So we get to like, yeah, one second. I mean, get this right. <laughs> uh, the, the underlying sort of theme here for the podcast is don't trust you with SM58s. Yeah, that's it. I just hate vocal mics. They shouldn't be my responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, the only way to get to the festival in time is to do this connecting flight in Belgium. So we get all of the gear checked, paddleboards, drum breakables, guitars, gets on the that all gets loaded onto the plane. Um, and then we get onto the plane and then we sit on the airfield for two hours. And oh. I immediately, again, alarm bells, you go, well, if we're going to miss this flight, then the connecting flight we're going to miss as well. And that's going to hammer things. But, but you kind of, all you can really think about is this is just going to delay things a lot. Mm. So we land in Belgium. It's a super quick transfer. But we all start going, the gear The gear is not going to arrive at the same time as us because we transferred in half an hour to basically make up for the lost time. But there's no way that the gear has been transferred over in that amount of time. So we land in Berlin and it's past midnight and we hopefully go to the luggage carousel <laughs> and we're missing all the gear. Like it, there's, there's, no, there's no equipment. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, you know, anyone who's ever been in that scenario when you're standing there just looking at the luggage carousels kept going around, just, just thinking, it's not coming, is it? It's not coming. No. <laughs> no, I've done something similar where a base of mine never left Manchester Airport, but I did. And I went to uh, Shiphol to go and do a show with a band called Mammothweed Wizard Bastard. And then I had to borrow a base, come back to Manchester, and there's my base sat on the carousel sorry carry on no no it's good i mean this is i think fly shows just as a band are like or the musician in general they're just you know like if you lose your your luggage on a holiday the worst thing that's going to happen is that you have to wear the same pair of clothes for a day and then go to a local shop right but if you lose gear, like you literally the thing that you're going there for you cannot do <laughs> so it's it's really it's really hard you know but anyway well once we've landed in the berlin teagle airport we then need to make our way down to the hotel which is in leipzig which is where the festival is which is about an hour and a half south of the airport so we I've waited for the gear. We know it's not going to show up. So we kind of have no choice but to just, we've already paid for the hire car. We've already paid for the hotel. So we go, all right, cool. Let's just drive down to the hotel in total despondency. No idea really knowing if what's going to happen. The people at the airport had been kind of helpful, but they were like, look, it might show up on the next flight tomorrow morning. It might not. So we all get to the hotel about 2am and we're all exhausted and we 
we just sleep. Like we wake up early. We have to drive all the way back up north, which is like an hour and a half away from the festival to go to the airport, hoping the gear has shown up. And we wait and we wait. And then we find that some of the gear has shown up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the guitar and bass case and some of the drum breakables, I think, had shown up. But we kind of go, well, a minimum, we can play a show with these things. Like we can, we can do it. We kind of weigh up whether to wait around for the rest of the gear, which was like paddle boards and some more drum stuff. But we just go, look, if we don't leave now, we're not going to make this festival. So we leave our details, leave contact details and just say when it shows up on the next flight, whatever, please ring us. But we know that we're not going to be able to sort this out until like after the show, but we've made it resolved, go to the show. So this is the second drive back down south to Leipzig to the festival site. And then at this point, like will like is openly starting to feel pretty bad like he's he's exhausted we're all exhausted we're all dehydrated um it's hard to kind of gauge but we're all feeling like you know in like we've been through the ringer but then you kind of have to empathize with the fact that whatever we're feeling he's probably feeling times 100 so by the time we get to the festival site he's like really not doing well uh but as so often happens in these scenarios, you kind of put your game face on and you kind of go, look, we just, we like, after all of this, after all of these knockbacks and running around, we need to make the show happen. So show has to go on. Um, we get to the site. We're about to load onto the stage. We meet um, Christina from UTA, who's our incredible agent. She happens to be at the festival with some friends. I think she'd come out to see us and a few other acts. Um, and as we're loading stuff on to the stage, we ask her to keep an eye on Will because he needs to just rest backstage while we start getting the gear set up. Um, so we're in game mode. We know we're running really late. So we load stuff onto the stage. We kind of ask the stage manager, has anyone got a tuna pedal or something like that? <laughs> like enough that we can just, you know, like make the minimum, minimum happen. Uh, and we're about 10 minutes from stage time. Go like basically patting ourselves on the back going like, we've done it. We've done it. Like this is, Myself, Joe, and Liam going, yeah, okay, ready to go. Let's go check on Will. Um, Christina comes over 10 minutes before and says, Will's in the medical tent. Oh. And so we, like, you just go, like, chills down the spine. You go, oh, God, like, like to what degree? How bad is this? Um, he's, it transpires. I mean, I, we're, again, five minutes from stage time. I just run to the medical tent and go to see him and he's, he's on a stretcher. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't laugh. It's not funny, but it was a moment. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you have that sort of gallows humor because you sort of have to. to kind of like yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But he's on a drip and he's like surrounded by paramedics or kind of talking in German. Um, and he's on an ECG <laughs> and it's oh. like, it's bad. You know, it's bad. And like, it was terrifying basically. Um, so we go back to the stage. We just go, well, I mean, you know, you, you kind of, at that point, whatever thought you had of playing the show just disappears. Like You have a moment still where you go, well, we could do this instrumentally, but no, our brother's like in a tent, like no, absolutely yeah. no way. Yeah, yeah. Like, so we call it off. Uh, and then at that point, like we kind of gather our thoughts to go and see him. Joe gets a call, I believe, at this moment going, oh, by the way, the rest of your gear's shown up. 
<laughs> and so to sort of break the kind of despondency, knowing Will's starting to, you know, seems to be like he's he's doing okay. He's in good medical hands. There's nothing they can do. Joe and Liam just go, well, our gear's up at the airport, so let's go and get that. And then when we come back down, we'll all reconvene and then we'll go to the hotel because this is still relatively early in the day. So we kind of go, yeah, okay. Joe drives up. Um, we get to the point where, like, Will seems to be feeling a little bit more normal. They come back down, <laughs> and it's getting dark now. So Joe and Liam are coming back down, and it's it's dark by this point. And I probably should add that Joe had been driving for all of about two weeks by the time that he was driving this strange German rental car in Germany. <laughs> and right. so, uh, had limited driving experience and didn't know where the headlights were on the car. <laughs> so oh. he, him and Liam had had a really exciting journey back, basically. Um, uh, and then that's essentially the crux of it. We got the gear back. We fly back the next day to England. Um, the sort of one of the most kind of depressing parts of it was that we were our, our returning flight was to to Birmingham, which was where the first date of the Gojira show would have been, uh, which was obviously a tour which was not to be. Uh, and we got picked up by our driver Kev, who had all of our gear and our backline like in the back of the van, going like, "Cool, ready to do some shows." Oh. <laughs> and we go, "No, no, we can't, we can't do this." And Will is really unwell. Um, as fans will know, and again, I'm not going to go into this any more detail, but Will like took a long time to recover and it was like a serious thing. If there is any bright side to this story, it's that in the queue on the way back to Birmingham, we were behind three quarters of Napalm Death. Which <laughs> I'm not like a massive fan, but like, bizarrely, it was it. We spoke to Shane, who's obviously like a bit of a legend. And we talked like had like a very, really long and an in-depth and quite long chat with him about like the rigors of touring and and how you know it can really mentally and physically impact you and like bizarrely and like, i'm not speaking for will here because he was having a much worse time than than i was but it kind of put everything into perspective where you go like uh like whatever uh, like whatever trauma you have from lost luggage or things like that like some people are lifers and they've been doing it this for longer than I've been alive and and are like are definitely like they've been through this all and they can keep rolling and keep doing this so it it was kind of um yeah talking to them at that point was kind of just what I personally needed to go like yeah all right this is this is awful but people can do this you know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah jeez poor fucking guy man I know oh <clears throat> that's a nightmare because he's sort of compounding the misery with him really wanting to do these like you know frankly brilliant shows yeah potentially brilliant shows with, with brilliant bands um but i suppose the thing to take from it is that he's well now and that though opportunities like that you know and then you and then we had a global pandemic so yeah. that yeah. meant any possibility saw it was wiped out regardless so you're back on a sort of 11 playing field yeah it's back up and running and you know these opportunities i'm sure that you'll have some pretty killer shows to kind of go back to yeah. eventually yeah i mean i think we you kind of you do have to realize that you know we've we've done shows where everyone's been kind of 
a little bit ill at some point or a little bit sick i've you know tried to do backing vocals while having like insane tonsillitis and like basically spitting blood at the end of the set like <laughs> liam's actually done a show with full-blown tonsillitis we didn't give it to each other but uh <laughs> he he was like he had his tonsils removed i think two days before our headline show at 2000 trees and you it's difficult to put things into sort of perspective when it's it's someone else you kind of go like are you are you okay to do this and you know like it's it's hard because again like as a as a crew as a like a collective as a band as a like a gang that you feel like when you're on the road you're like yeah we'll you know we'll help each other through but there definitely is a point where you're like well, this needs to stop because <laughs> someone <laughs> yeah. someone isn't really not well here but yeah 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 wow well that's utterly depressing yeah. I mean, there is the, there is there is light at the end of that because, like you said, Will is Will is thankfully a lot better now. Yeah, yeah that yeah. is um, wholly depressing. You very much bummed us out today, big um, time. <laughs> but that is, you know, that is sort of part of the modus, modus operandi of this podcast is yeah. to either shock or be bummed out. And you yeah. went down, you went out the, down the bummed out route. So I think, I, but you know, I've spoke to the band about retelling the story because obviously it's a little bit you know sensitive with yeah with sickness and stuff and and all of us have kind of gone like oh man it's a bit like therapy talking about this <laughs> <laughs> this is this is it we we kind of offer up this band to band therapy yeah and uh and it is that the whole the whole point we put sort of whole point of putting this podcast together is because when you speak to other bands about their you know about shows you never want to talk about good shows yeah because the good shows are boring. You're like, oh yeah, we had twenty thousand people singing our songs. It's amazing. And you're like, yeah, okay. Did you break down on the way? Did yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did, yeah. did anyone fall violently ill? That's kind it's of like really... you're it's, it's essentially the gallows humour that you were talking about. You know, it's, it's like yeah, sort of drawn towards the macabre, just going like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm and sure that not... was great, but I'd also like I want to hear when it's awful. Yeah, because <laughs> they're not they're not good stories. They're not they're just not good stories and. Uh, Suffice to say, you have given us some very, very good stories uh, this evening. We really, really appreciate it. Um, you've got a live stream coming up, correct? Yes. So, can you because furnish me with the details because I think I've got them, but I haven't written them down, so I'll get them wrong. That's fine. So, it is the seventh of April uh, in the year of our Lord, twenty twenty one. We are doing a live stream, which we is. A live stream it's being streamed live but it's a pre-recorded live performance mm -hmm. a live a live movie a live video <laughs> extravaganza if you will uh but it was done at the brighton center actually late last year um and as 2020 was it was our only live show uh that year and it was great it was thoroughly enjoyable and we did a we basically kind of went over the whole kind of peaks catalog and did it with some uh, the Brighton Centre, if people don't know, is an exhibition centre, which is, um, you know, uh, somewhere where people like Jules Holland usually play and things like that. <laughs> uh, but they had, um, it was actually quite, a, it felt really good doing it there because they, the people in that place had been, you know, when you put your whole economy into um, mass gatherings of people uh, last year and continuing into this year, uh, has been a real struggle for those people and so for, for them to you know even just things like people rocking up on stage and you know tuning a snare drum people go oh that sound <laughs> uh, i haven't heard anyone say one two one two into a microphone you know and 
yeah like the people who uh who do this like really always do this and will always do this you know this is like a bit of an addiction for people like on stage and off stage uh and so to do it in a place where they were like you know they were kind of really struggling to like it's everyone we spoke to essentially felt like they were kind of you know obviously having a bit of a hard time as we all were um yeah it felt cool to to get in there and just to play some some music um to to no one uh to <laughs> a bunch of empty tables that they'd put out for uh for sort of seated dining back when that was a, a thing yeah yeah it's it's cool it's a really it's an amazing looking film uh something we we're really proud of uh some amazing uh lights and filmography and uh yeah the whole thing is a, a really nice package um yeah it's gonna be good cool well that's very so, exciting indeed so before before you go man um what is tradition is that we normally have one best gig story and then you need mm. to end, and then you need to end it with um your very own verb the noun band oh name. yeah yeah Oh yeah, I forgot about that. So, we didn't ask Paul to do that. We do have a league table. I don't know who's top. I think I don't think there's anyone who's, who's gone ahead. Running away like, with it. No. no. But, uh, we need, but we need. Um, so your best gig. Go cool. for it. All right. Well, this is quite nice because this is basically um, uh, midway through, sort of in the earlier stages of, of Will's illness, um, when we weren't kind of we were taking things very tentatively. We'd. Earlier that summer, we'd been booked for Download Festival, and uh, we were taking things slowly. But we, you know, we wanted to make things as comfortable as possible for Will at the time. But we also wanted to go and do the show. And, and um, basically, what transpires is that we play on the Avalanche stage, middle of the afternoon. It's it's a, a great performance. Uh, it's, it's a great crowd. It's uh, it's amazing. Like opportunity to play in a, in a tent like that uh, in the middle of the afternoon at download um but kind of what makes it so memorable and so good is that the summer before that we'd done sorry the winter before that we'd done a tour supporting enter shikari uh which was an amazing tour like lovely dudes um we'd kind of got quite chummy with some of the people who did their sort of stage effects so like their um confetti cannons and and they do things like pyrotechnics and stuff like that uh and they actually got in touch with us and said, oh, by the way, Shikari are headlining your stage later in the day. And we're like, yeah, we, we saw. And they're like, we're going to bring some pyrotechnics. <laughs> <laughs> and they say, we're going to have it on stage all day. <laughs> and then they go, how much do you want to have some fire when you play on stage? <laughs> and we're not a band who's ever done that before. <laughs> and, like, this, is, this makes me, you know, like, it's just one of those things that if you can be on stage in front of several thousand people or whatever, and you, and you just play a riff and you kind of look over at the person who's about to press go on some fire in front of you and they give you a cheeky little nod and then you play a riff. Fire comes in front of like, I challenge anyone not to feel like a fucking superhero. At that it's incredible. Like genuinely feel like <laughs> this is why rock stars get so fucked up. Right. Cause if they're like, I can summon fire with riffs. <laughs> like, it's amazing. You know, it's uh, and so just, you know, that was, that's something that I've never done before. Might not ever do again. I'm very like humble and thankful for that <laughs> that came out and it was just great. You know, it was a great show other than the flames, but I'm a simple guy. I like fire. It was great. I like fire. <laughs> who doesn't like, who doesn't like fire? 
spurting out of the front of the stage. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking um, excellent. So verb the noun. Verb the noun, more importantly. We talked about when, back when I was living in Bristol, we had a few like verb the noun bands. It was that sort of era. And of course I think it was. We, made, we were like a portmanteau of two, and I'm trying to remember it. I think it was like Burn the Sky. Ah, now there is a I there is one I use I use as a regular example, yeah. which is Burn the Skyline. Oh, Skyline, which I, oh, okay. uh, which I remember as being some kind of um, metalcore mm. tripe from the late two thousands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's got to have burn in it, and it's got to have something something that then follows, which you're not allowed to burn. And yes. you physically burn. <laughs> the, the, so fi- the, the fire extinguisher. <laughs> yeah. How about, okay, so if I use another word for burn and then I come up with some other like vague philosoph- philosophical construct, maybe like ignite the aftermath. Oh, effect. Perfect. That, that sounds doomy, that man. That's, yeah. got, that's going at number doomy. one. Uh, that sounds doomy. That's, that, sounds, that sounds like they'll headline the second stage at uh, Bloodstock next year. <laughs> it's he, true. Yeah. He was it who said shit the bed again. Uh, Katie Malco said shit. Katie. Okay. Sorry, Katie, if you're listening, you're now second. Um, <laughs> the shit the bed. That's, that's... <laughs> that's a good verb, the man. But. Uh, Brilliant. Well, thank you ever so much for coming on, Dave. Um, it's a real pleasure because, you know, as well as being a top bloke, you've got some top stories um, and we really appreciate it. And um, take care of yourself and look after yourself. One, 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 one final plug. Oh, go on. Go one on. final plug. One. Oh, yeah. Uh, live stream, 7th of April. Go and buy tickets and that. It's going to be great. Buy it now. Yeah. Next one. Buy your tickets, you nerds. Thanks, Dave. I'll say hi to Tom from afar. Hi, Tom. Hi, hey, Tom. <laughs> he won't. You know, nice he, he won't. He, he won't listen to it. He won't listen. He's, no, he's no, gonna no. be too busy. He's, he's already. He switched off the, the France bashing stuff. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's it. His mum and dad will be gutted. I miss all the Pokemon chat. Ah, <laughs> oh, shame, shame. <laughs> nice one. See you later, man. Thanks, hey, Dave. Hey. See Cheers, you, mate. Cheers, brother. Bye.